What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Vanika Renee, and I am here with my two lit chicks. Welcome to a new episode of Nava Black Girl. Go ahead and say hi to the people. Hey, it's Solana, your chick girl that loves to eat. What's going on? Hey, with your girl, Ross, and your dog, here fluffing, laughing, and living life. And we are bringing y'all a new look today, Survival of the Thickest, by the lovely Michelle Buto. So hopefully you had a chance to read it. If not, feel free to continue to listen. There's really no way to spoil this book at all. Um, just hearing her talk, her crazy comedian self, it's a very funny read. So definitely read it and check it out if you haven't already. So we're going to dive right in. She kind of dives right in in the book. So let's just go there. So in this book. Michelle essentially describes her crazy wild life experiences that she's had thus far. And one of the big topics that she discusses is her dating life. So I am curious to know what's one of the wildest dating experiences or interactions with a guy that you guys have ever had. Define wild. Well, let's see if we define it according to Michelle. It could be staying out all night with a Mexican dude and dancing, getting money for your messed up hair. It could be dating someone who was super goth and low-key offending him. It could be dating someone who was so tall he couldn't find a booth to sit in. It could be dating someone who was actually gay and wanted to wear your clothes. I mean, it's, it's pretty wild according to the book. So you might not be at Michelle's level, but... Then she dates somebody that was going to this. Yeah, like she's been all over the place. She dated somebody who had hips. Like an episode of Girlfriends. Right. Joan definitely dated that man with the more that girdle so he couldn't show his hips. That is funny. Um, I, by Michelle's definition, have never had a wild dating experience. <laughs> yes. Uh, or interaction with the dude. No, uh, no, not that I can think of. Nothing like that. Not somebody that I was interested in, like, hooking up with or nothing. Nothing wild. Mm. I've had boring dates, but nothing wild. I've had <laughs> wild and boring. Um, let me see. I've got to think of a story to share without giving away too much. <laughs> I have had okay I've had a wild experience with this guy he was a beautiful man amazing sex all of that but he had a ton of kids and wanted more and was not interested in a relationship and the dynamic he really wanted to establish just was wild in my eyes so I removed myself from that situation pretty quickly sex was bomb so it was hard but yeah he was he was a wild one in every way shape or form that's my wild one of my wild one of the wild so mine are not Michelle level but I I, I, mm, I had some fun <laughs> me i guess but it's not necessarily wild it really just made this guy look super trash and we weren't dating just having fun but then i found out he was engaged and it was like a wrap after that dang a whole life on the side right so that's probably the wildest thing i could think of 
not, yeah. It was. It just made him look really trash. <laughs> None for you, Ra? No. Nope. Just, <laughs> no. Just out here suffering through one word answers for some Killroy's breadsticks. So. <laughs> oh, Lord. Not the boring one. So she also describes wild experiences with friends. Can y'all think of a wild experience you've had with a friend? Like she talks about traveling with one of her friends and like losing her in Spain and then meeting back with each other or being topless places. She had a ton of experiences. Have you all had wild experiences with friends? Yeah, but since you ain't mentioned it as one of your wild experiences, I'm not. Remember that time. Let's talk about it. Listen, just no, wait. No name, don't name no name. That each of y'all have had some serious moments. It is my time now. <laughs> Definitely my turn. A lot of our listeners don't know what you're talking about. You might as well explain at least one of these experiences. Well, no. no. Rise in the hat. Rise in her purple hat that we all wanted to wear and never yeah. got a chance to. Okay, let's get the backstory without giving too much. So we hung out in our early 20s one time. We looked amazing, and Roz came in with this bomb fedora. And we had drinks. We went out, and on the way home, Roz could no longer hold those drinks. And I asked her kindly not to puke in my new car, and so it went in the hat. And from what I remember, you went to the window. I was trying to save it. I was like, I can wash it. I can wash it. Now, I was not having it, and it was like, throw the head out the window. It's over. I will replace it, but it's got to go. R.I.P. She wanted to what the people can get. We weren't even traveling that time, though. Weren't we locals? No. We were, we were local. We were, we were here in Indy about five minutes from my house. Let's oh be clear. Gosh, that was so funny. Like, we all creek to my house, and we threw it out the window. Okay. Good, that was funny. Okay, I did have a moment in New Orleans that was us and I forgot about that. We are even. We are even. Describe yours. You should describe your karaoke experience. Jesus. But we was all in sync though. We was all in sync on that karaoke though. Doing nothing. She was she was swinging. She was swinging. She was See, I, thank you, right. 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 No, she wasn't. She was sitting there with glasses on, not saying anything, but she couldn't move. I love books. No, not the time. It was the. It was the editing time when we went with uh, TJ and it. Yeah, that was karaoke. Was it the same? Look, she don't no, even remember. Yes. She wasn't even there. That was when we was on Bourbon Street. That was our day out. <laughs> we were on Bourbon Street. We did Destiny's Child, and Alana was so far gone. She stood on the stage while me and Roz had a whole dance routine going. I was also moving. I was she, moving. She was moving. Sure, girl. Video <laughs> footage will prove that she moved. That may not have been... On the same rhythm as us, but she moved. She was the Michelle of the group today. She was the Michelle. Okay. <laughs> hey, stops moving all together. <laughs> Her experience. I did. Good old Mexico. Yo, that was. It all started because of that camel ride and some stupid tequila. And that tequila. 
It's not with a camel and tequila. A tequila tasting. That's the title. In Mexico. A camel and tequila. Yes. It all started with a camel and tequila. Yes. <laughs> right there. <damn. laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, but I have to tell that story because I don't remember it, but okay. I had a wonderful time. So we we went on these camel rides. The camel rides were not that fun, but then they had a tequila tasting afterwards. Which was fun. It was great because we got to try all of these like local tequilas. We'll have Maybe that this was in the morning. Yeah, it was like 11, 12. When we got back, it was like noon. <laughs> and so she was like, let's just keep drinking tequila. No choice. <laughs> we got off of the little tour bus, went to the resort. Ate again because we knew we needed to soak up some of the tequila shots. That we literally had like five shots of tequila in maybe forty-five minutes. I don't even think it was maybe. Ridiculous, and it's hot. It was, and we weren't terrible by then. Like we got to the hotel, we were fine. We ate, we were fine, and we just forced them to continue and drinking tequila. Right, we went straight to the bar. She's like, "Let's get more shots." We got more shots. It was a pool party. Then maybe just sound like a drunk. It wasn't a pool party. It was just. It the, was. It was our last day pool party. It was. A Everybody was out. Oh, I thought it was just a gathering at the pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pool party. Everybody was out. Pool. It was a pool party. Took too many shots. Saw my ex. Took more shots with my ex, and that tipped me over. Yeah. Let's yeah. blame him. <laughs> I absolutely blame him. Not gonna lie, I do because it went downhill once he showed up. <laughs> we had a blast though. It was so fun until and I was so classy about it at first. It started off real good. I hid in the bush to puke until she could no longer remove herself from the environment, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> and then I woke up and had a blast because I didn't remember or feel anything. <laughs> you gonna do it? Do it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, so then there's this moment where Michelle has a wild experience and meets her husband who's from overseas and they have a crazy first date and then they decide to date for like two years long distance could you do it could you be in a serious relationship long distance like that there are several factors in the story that would have me like no first he was a white man from the Netherlands sounds like I don't know about that in my life. Uh, Which part of that? You can't date a white guy? You can't date a foreign white guy? What about it threw you off? All of it. (laughs) All of it. Like, to be white is one thing, but to be white from another country is also another thing. I don't know which one is better. Either or. It just sounds like too much. (laughs) But I could be blocking my blessings when I Somebody shared a like Facebook post or something with me that says my soulmate is probably white and I'm out here chasing chocolate covered lies and I feel like that's probably gonna be chocolate oh covered lies. No, better follow Michelle's you know book and go overseas and find me a nice Dutch white man. But no, um, long distance really is just I don't know I. That's rough because I am very much so quality time is my love language. And so not being able to do that 
multiple times a day or week would drive me crazy. And that's international long distance too. That's different. So it's enough for you, dog. I could yeah. probably do long distance, but the international, that's just, I don't know. I'd be like, oh, got to make a trip out of this. I don't know how it will work, though. I'm just looking at my budget. It's not on the plane. Right. <laughs> but they didn't seem like, I mean, bro did sell his car at one point to continue to visit. I think if the finances are right, I could probably do it depending on how long the flight is. Maybe. Cause she wants the flights more than six hours. I can't make it. Cause even if you got the money, I'm not taking that flight. But are we or meet, we can, meet, like, meet somewhere, somewhere halfway? Like, yeah. Like now, I would exactly. be down for like our date nights. We visit somewhere we've never been before. Like that six hours. Hey, right. if bro us. comes with money, that sounds cute in theory. Alana's not here for it. <laughs> she said it's a note for me. Could you do long distance in the U.S.? Long distance, like, I can hop in my car and get to you. Up to you. Can you do Cali? Can you do a different yeah. state nearby? Sure. Um, if I got to get on a plane to visit you and the plane ride is, like, four hours, it sounds like a no. So no Cali guys for you. Oh, um, I don't know. You know, I always make these very firm statements. <laughs> like, it's going to happen to me, and I'm going to be like, but I love him. And that's how she felt. She definitely t- made him tell her that he loved her. Right. She was not playing okay. Ross, could you do it? Can you do long distance? Domestic. I've tried it, but it wasn't with the right person. But I think if it was with the right individual, I could probably do it. Um, That's a good point. It would probably be, I don't think I could do, if I can't drive to, if if it's drivable within eight hours, but longer than that, no. Come on, eight hours, I said three. Because eight hours to me, I think like, I can do it. like eight hours. I'm thinking like, especially from where we are now, that's like to that's to Atlanta, like to that's halfway to Jersey. So somebody could at least come the other way. Charlotte, yeah, like I mean, it's it's fairly eight hours is not that not that far. It's not that it's, bad. Listen, I made. Them 12-hour drives, way too many times to drive anything over, like, four hours. But why do you have to drive? He, You can fly as domestic. I I could, but that sounds like a lot. I can do it. So if husband, if you're in another state, I can do it. I don't want to. I'll probably move. Right, I'm down to move. Listen. But you got a date first. You Especially since I work from home. I could probably swing it because I could stay longer than just the weekend occasionally. That's fair. I have that luxury working for me. But uh, um, at this point, I need a baby more than a husband. So I got to drive and fly. I'll do it. <laughs> okay, but wait, wait, wait. What? 
what characteristics do you need in your partner to make a long distance relationship work? The same stuff I need for the person who lives across the street. That's fair. Definitely communication. Um, Affection, words of affirmation. Kiss. It would have to be. Yeah, have to be a lot more. <laughs> have to be a lot more verbal, even though that's not who I am. Like I don't even really say nothing. But yeah, traditionally that's not. But yeah, but in a long distance relationship, I would have to be a lot more verbal because I wouldn't be able to do the action stuff that I usually, that I feel more comfortable doing. See that ass in the text? <laughs> what? what? That's it. You can't send that ass in the text. I'm not even talking, I'm talking about life. I was joking. <laughs> you can send him gifts. I'm thinking about you gifts. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Now I'm thinking about all these ideas. Exactly. I'm like, you gotta get creative a little bit. Yeah. Do you need like intimacy still if you're in a long distance relationship? It has to be like you gotta figure that out. What that looks like for for y'all though, I feel like. Do you need it? Well, oh, you know what? Me personally, like. I feel like yeah, you know, yeah, do you need it over the phone? It's not, it don't have to be sexual intimacy yeah. for me. It could be other things. Exactly. Like having like the simple check-ins, you know, from both from both sides, you know, checking in daily. That might be a letter. It could be cute still. Yeah. I'm on smear. I'm a lefty. Don't ask me to handwrite you. Yeah, smear. You <laughs> can send an email. There we go. Nice little text message or two. Send an email. Now type you a letter and sign it on the bottom. I'm sending him a poor My mom used to send my Christmas cards and she used to let me put on lipstick and kiss the. Kiss the card. That'd be cute. Back in the day when we I'm used to friend. send notes, I used to uh, spray my perfume on the notes. Same. <laughs> Same. I still do. I have a roll on that I use on the back of my stuff. <laughs> so if you get a card from me from Charlotte, it'll smell like me. Oh my. <laughs> you know, there are intimate things right there. Easy. I feel like I won't need that until we're in person. And when we're in person, I'll just need it a ton. I just really need you to feel like my hit up. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I really could be fine with just that. That's real. So. That's you. To, if, yeah. if I can feel you're there, you're present, you're su support, and you're not there, then that's a big, big thing. Yeah. Okay. Now that I'm thinking about this, I don't want to do it. See? <laughs> Be down the street. <laughs> or I'm going to hurry up and move. <laughs> to propose so I can move. She said, um, be down the street. Please? 
anyway. She talks about her experience with being judged. So the book is called Survival of the Thickest. She is a thick girl. If you haven't seen her, she's boobalicious. Um, she's not really fat. She's just top heavy, even with her reduction. She's not a size two. She sure is not. She is normal woman size, which average size is 14, I think, right now in the U.S. Um, but she talks about like feeling like people treat you different the bigger you are. And she even experienced her parents, who are from Caribbean descent, treating her different, especially her mom. Um, have you all experienced anything with your body or features that made people treat you differently? I mean, I sort of had my growth spurt when I was younger. So I was about 10 looking like a grown person because I was like 5'4", 180 pounds. Like I basically look like I look now. So I didn't, I haven't grown since like fifth grade. But, um, but yeah, so I just got, especially in school, based off my appearance, they thought I should have been more mature. So I'm a 10 year old acting like other 10 year olds. But when it would come to me, I tend to get in, I tend, whatever, I got in trouble a little bit more. Um, and I was like, but they doing the same thing. What's going on? There's research happening about that right now. Yes. That we so, do that, especially to young black girls. And so I was, I was like, okay, you gonna, you gonna try to come at me? I was like, you, you think I'm grown? I'm going to act grown. You talk to me like that? I'm going to talk back to you like that. And then, of course, I would get detention and stuff. But, you know, I'm here now. It was lose-lose for you. It really wasn't. I was just, like, I remember uh, one of my guidance counselors one time, she said, Rosin, you know, um, don't be so hard on your peers. You know, they're. You got to talk to them nicer. I'm like, what? They ask me a question. I'm going to answer them. I'm going to give it to them. She's like, I know that's you, but they can't. They can't right now. I said, what does that mean? But whatever. They're just a child. <laughs> <laughs> but look, my mother kept it real. That's exactly I said, what I, that means. I say this all the time. I tell this story all the time. My mother was like, you're either on the ship or off the ship. She was telling me that when I was five years old. So I think I, you got treated that way because you were the only child, too. I think you being mature and the only child, you definitely was like a level above. Because then you and your mom established a certain relationship and you tried to carry that everywhere else. But yeah, mm -hmm. but I'm just saying, like, my mother just, she's like, you either with it or you're not. So that's all I knew, just like Renee said. So people was either with it or not. And then me being a Leo probably didn't help anymore, but, you know. That's neither here nor there. Like I said, we here now. College graduate. Hello, I know. So. <laughs> right, you made it. <laughs> um, I don't know. I would say with me, uh, my weight has fluctuated a lot more in my adult years. But like as a kid, I was like super skinny. And kind of tall because I've been this height for a really long time too, like sixth grade, maybe seventh grade. And so, but I wasn't the tallest where I grew up. The girls were super tall, like six foot. <laughs> like they were tall. And so 
I was just tall and skinny and, and lanky, but I've always had curves. So like my butt was big and it was always drawing unwanted attention, things like that. Um, and then I don't know, my dad, he always got nicknames for people. So he used to call me Cincinnati skinny when I was a kid, which was weird. Like, don't know where it came from. Have no clue. But he's <laughs> just like always commenting uh, comments around weight. And so now that I put on weight, you don't hear those comments anymore about me being skinny. Now it's the reverse. And I don't, he doesn't necessarily like say I'm fat. But, you know, there are always comments around weight, which is sensitive, I guess. Yeah, I can relate. So I was never skinny. I've been thick since I came out the womb. But I had like a toned curvy body as a dancer. And then when I left for college and moved to Indiana, I kind of blew up slowly but surely. Um, definitely heard comments not from friends and strangers. From family, not mm, my mom makes comments, my sisters make comments. Um, yeah, I think I felt like her when she kind of let her mom's comments roll off. Just gotta roll off and love your body, no matter what it looks like. Um, so I've definitely experienced that. Um, in a weird way, I felt like I feel like I was more insecure when I was skinnier than I am as a bigger girl. I feel like as a bigger girl, it forces you to, like, if I'm not confident and feeling good, then nobody's going to feel good when they look at me. So I almost felt like you got to dress to the nine and, I don't know, you got to feel good when you leave the house. Um, whereas as a, a skinnier chick, I would be thinking about, like, oh, is this going to look okay on my body? And as a big girl, I'm like, own it, whatever you do. <laughs> um, so it's, uh, it's weird. So, But I've definitely got the comments before from family. Sure. Yeah, my parents, I mean, family, I feel like family, they'll comment, I had a great-grandmother, you come, anybody, you come in looking a little, little thick, uh, you're looking healthy there, I said, you ever eat my vegetables, no, you're looking healthy in the midsection. Yeah, see, mine aren't even that subtle, <laughs> I'm like, uh-uh, too big, you gotta lose that, like, it would be dope. She would, she would, that's how she would start off then sooner or later. She'd just be like, you need to lose some weight. But my family is kind of big bone. Like when I did have, uh, like after. Same, which is why I don't pay in the mind. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, now you know this runs in our family. And I'm, and I'm trying to be health conscious, you know, work out every now and then. Weight fluctuates a little bit. But one year I did lose some weight. They was like, ooh, Rosson, I need you to eat. They then they want to fatten you back up, and then they go tell you. <laughs> I'm like, well, what you want me to be? Can't win it. You you still? Yeah, nah, not really. <laughs> you still eating them, them black bean burgers and vegetables, Ross? And you need some chicken. I'm like, what? <laughs> don't worry. Make sure we don't do that to our babies. Right. Um, if you could give your younger though. self advice, facts. And some people are healthier at a thicker weight. Yeah. Like, they're fine. Right. That's why people need to leave people's body types alone. Exactly. 
Unless I ask you to be my accountability partner, then you can say what you want to say. Unless you see me over here scarfing down cigarettes for pack a day or something, poisoning my body, then you can say something. Even then. Shut up. Mind your business. Right. I will will throw out some cigarettes, though. I will throw out some cigarettes. I have done it before. I have done that before. But I also have now gotten older and like, listen, they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I can only say at once, encourage you to do better. Now, I will ask you not to do it around me. Facts. I have respect yeah. for my health. Facts. Yeah. Yes. No, I definitely don't play that, but I'm not about to like go throw out your $5 pack of cigarettes. <laughs> like, yeah. But when I'm going to buy them for you. Yeah. When I no. did it, the person was trying to quit. And they asked, they was like, oh, okay. I need your help. So that's yeah, fair. My God, they knew what I was doing. So you got it. That's understandable. So speaking of changes, we talked about some of the wild people we've interacted with, experiences we've had with each other, or just friends in general. What advice would you give your younger self? Oh, that's a good one. I think I feel like we've asked this question before, so I would like to go find that episode and see what I said the first time and compare it to now. But <laughs> um, I think I would tell my younger self to just like follow my gut. Wait, how young are you talking? Like, Which age range are you talking to? I ain't that old. I know, but you could be talking to the girl in her 20s. You could be talking to your teenage self, your little kid self. Who are you talking to? I would say, like, in general. I don't know. Maybe from, like, high school to through college age. Maybe even a little after college. Pre-25. So five years ago and earlier, Alana needed to do better. Six years ago, you tried it. Uh, my birthday is not for another couple of weeks, so... Five years and ten months ago. <laughs> not even five years and eleven months ago. I am 30 years old. <laughs> um, but I would just say that I have like spent a lot of my years really trying to... I think I sacrificed myself to please other people a lot. And so I would just tell myself to follow my gut and do what it is that I want to do. I've done that. And I did it a lot more before, like, I got to college. But then in college, it just seemed to, like, go away a little bit more. After college, it really seemed to slip. And so I would just tell myself to follow my gut and make decisions for myself. I think I would uh, tell younger Rosalind to... uh live a little bit more I can be uptight and I was very uptight when I was younger and I think this to what you were asking earlier and I think it just goes to being an only child because you don't want to be a disappointment and I put a lot of expectation on myself that my parents didn't even so so I'm like okay I don't have anything else to compare to so I'm just gonna be the best I can be and and if and in my eyes, I was like, that's and then growing up in a church, too, 
I was like, Lord Jesus. Like I look back, I look back now on stuff and I'm like, yo, you could have, you could have done, you could have done something and just asked the Lord for forgiveness. Like you could have lived a little, <laughs> like you could have let loose a little bit more, but I, I think I was just trying to be perfect. And right now I'm at the point in my life where I'm perfect imperfection. So you, you get what you get with Rosalind. I like that. I like that. That's on period. Um, I think I would tell myself, I know for sure I would tell myself to learn financial literacy. Cause, yeah. Thanks. In the 20s, I could have done way better with my coins. Mm-hmm. And I would have bought a house in my early 20s. Um, I would have told myself to keep my standards as high as they were in high school and college and to trust my instincts. There's a moment in my 20s where I just ignored my gut for a little bit and it made me make some mistakes or linger in relationships longer than I should have or enter relationships that I shouldn't have. So if I just trusted my instincts and my gut from, or the Holy Spirit for the Christians, um, I think I would be in a different place right now. So that's what he would tell me. Look at y'all. I like this. I like this. Yeah. Um, okay. So, we, did we talk about whether y'all were bullied in school yet? I know Ross started talking about it a little bit when she shared. Have y'all ever been bullied or were you the bully? I was definitely not a bully. Yeah, it's really a nice kid. She said, yet. In my head. Yeah. In my head. <laughs> I didn't just like go around talking about people. Like, if somebody had a joke that was funny, I may have laughed. But I tried. Bystanders are bully too, ma'am. I, but I tried to be nice. I tried, like, I tried to be kind to everyone because I just, like, hated to see that, like, people's upset or hurt or whatever. Like, it just, bothered me a lot as a kid it still does now but not as much because grown people be tripping Uh (laughs) but i was not the bully i was bullied uh a bit particularly in sports and i sweat a lot and so body odor was hard for me and so i i definitely got teased a bit for that i was like what's their name do you want to be their ass off top Nah, because they... Where they at now? Right, they all still in Anderson. <laughs> Bums. Uh, so, nah, I mean, but it was just like, I don't know what y'all want me to do. I'm out here working hard, I sweat. Like, it is what it is. I'm about to go home and shower and be cool anyway. Like, it ain't like I just be walking around doing nothing. Stank. <laughs> it's like, I've been running around on a soccer field for an hour and a half. And I am smelly. Sorry. But yeah, that was probably the biggest thing. Anything else they couldn't really say. It's like I'm one of the top in my class. Got, you know, good family, good whatever. So that was it for me. Yeah, I don't remember in any of my schools even seeing bullying. I went to real small private schools. So, I mean, it was all five of us. We've known each other since we were five, literally. And then our parents are like, 
friends. So I don't think anyone had the audacity to be a true bully. Did we talk smack? Yeah, but it never ended in like anybody crying. It was just like we roasting each other and we're having a blast. Life goes on and we're all friends. So I think my parents did a good job setting me up in an environment where I didn't experience that. And then in my high school, my, my clique was small. So again, I, I wasn't exposed to other people being bullied. I'm sure there was girl drama at an all-girls school. And I just wasn't involved. Didn't care, maybe. I don't know. I was in my own world in high school. So, nope. I've never been bullied. I am a jokester for sure. So I know as an adult, I definitely crack jokes. But again, it's just like, really jokes with friends. Yeah. Now, if I need the pop off and snap, I can't. But yeah, no. Plus, I'm a crier and I'm softy, so I can't see me watching somebody be bullied. So I'll be crying for them before they even start crying. Yeah, I bullied that girl about that mac and cheese. Insert birds tweeting sounds. <laughs> the cricket sound. I think that y'all both had y'all mouths wide, but it was cool. <laughs> I'm not going to even go into that story because all of our friends who listen to this know what's real. Straight <laughs> bully. And that was Alana being a bully bringing it up on a podcast. For real. Prime example. That could have been less where Prime it was. example of Alana is a bully. That could have been less where it was. Back, you know how black people back on Meridian somewhere. And Alana just had to bring it up. I want to keep that in there so people can see how she a bully. I am. That's not getting edited out. That's staying right in there. Please put the cricket sounds in there, though. I don't know if I'm that advanced. They say I was nice now. Bye, Sanders. I'm about to say, I, I don't know. I don't think I was a bully. Some people may think I was a bully. I don't know what I was. You look like you was a bully. But I really wasn't. Like, I've never been in a fight. Like, that, I didn't either. That don't mean you wasn't a bully. They just didn't want to fight you for being a bully. I mean, people would... I was a peacekeeper. Like, people would try to... Peacemaker or keeper? Keeper. Did you make the peace or you kept the peace? I kept the peace. Because people would be trying to go at it. I'd be like, why are we doing this? Why? Why? Are, are any of you going to mama of the classroom? For real, like my nickname with my friends was Mama Ross. Oh lord! So I would be like, I'd be like, if, if none of y'all are going to hit each other, then why are we here in this crowd? What 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 sense does this make? So the teacher's going to come. Except she didn't say it in that voice. And both of y'all are going to get in trouble. So somebody either hit somebody or let's go on. Like this doesn't make any sense. So. Meanwhile, I'd have been watching and talking shit in my head, like, "Oh, snap!" And then on the <laughs> other end, like, I was I was petty enough to be like, "So I remember this story to this day." We was walking back from lunch in middle school. I accidentally stepped on the back of somebody's shoe by accident. We was packed together in the hallway. He gonna turn around and give me this crazy look, like, "Stop!" I said, "Don't be looking at me like that. I'll do it again." So I did it on purpose the next time. And he turned around and looked at me. I said, what you going to do about it? Nothing. Bye. Go keep walking. <gasps> she might have been a bully, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a bully. 
But it was Wait, an accident, was and you did an attitude with me, like like I did it on purpose. So you did it again on purpose, though. Yes, because I wanted to see what he did. That's where you're the bully. Because I wanted to see what he did. You antagonized him. I wish I could see her face and body language. You flinching at the camera? You're right. She is. I said, I said, what you gonna do about it? Nothing. So let's keep walking. Like, bruh, you holding up traffic. We trying to get to class. Ryan's got to step on you again on purpose. <laughs> Ryan's got a cool life tattoo on her stomach, bro. I am the nicest person ever. Girl. You're charitable, but I don't know if you're not. <laughs> That's so accurate. You honest. Yes, I'm about to say, I don't know if you're nice. <laughs> Giving <laughs> nice, I don't know. <laughs> Peacemaker, no. I'm a peacekeeper. Sometimes I don't make. Right. I don't think so. I, I, I would not describe you as the peacekeeper because you might, actually ruffle feathers. She might have a box of peace, but it don't somewhere with her. <laughs> nah, because no. she's unafraid to ruffle feathers. Yeah, no, I'm telling I'm saying, you from experience. No, I'm saying like now if I see see something happen, like fights or something, I'll be like, well, I I really do try to. Now amongst friends, though, you're the enforcer. That's why you're the bubble. <laughs> some of our friends, you are the enforcer and the mama bear. Now, with some of our friends, that's just our relationship. Like, with our other friend, like, that's just what we... We see each other and start going in on each other. <laughs> Jasmine and I, so. Yeah. I've seen it with a few friends, though. Even in the bigger social group. You still the enforcer. Oh, I was mm-hmm. talking about the... And unafraid to rustle feathers. Uh, yeah, We gotta have... We gotta guys have. with the guys, with just the girls. Oh, yeah. That's that's, that's, consistent. Di- that's dialogue. Like we just talking, shooting the breeze. <laughs> okay, Walter. Right. <laughs> yeah, I had this random thought. This to tell you the type of school system I grew up in. I don't remember what grade I was in. Probably kindergarten, first grade, something like that. Probably kindergarten. I don't know. <laughs> they made us sing a song in class. And it was like, peacemakers talk about it. They don't fight about it. They just make up and be friends. friends. <laughs> they would make us sing this song, and I'm just like... Peacekeepers don't fight about it? They peacemakers just... talk about it. Uh-huh. They don't fight about it. Uh-huh. They make up and be friends. Your mama chose this school for you, didn't she? It was the neighborhood school. It was just regular. I didn't choose that school. <laughs> regular public school. And it was across the street from where we lived. It was just the school I was going to. <laughs> but it's just like, bruh. That sounds like this something is what the administrators was involved It sounds like, sound like, sound like a cult. Cult. Yes. I swear it sounds like a cult. That they never mind. I ain't even about to go down that road. <laughs> Hope it helps. I ain't getting no fights. Did anybody get a fight? Well, now you're talking about it either. You don't like me. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> oh, it sounds like at least none of us were intentionally bullies in school or as adults. 
Um, <laughs> but as we transition, we learn about um, a really hard job that Michelle has to take on as a pretty much a journalist, for lack of better words, during 9-11. So one, put in context, where were you when 9-11 happened? So as a New Yorker, I happened to be in Vermont on a school trip. It was the beginning of the school year for us. We took a trip to Vermont when 9-11 happened. So I personally was not in the city when it happened, but I came to the city a few days later, and it was very scary. I do remember that. Um, but where were you all when 9-11 happened? I was in school. I was in the seventh grade, first period, my reading class. And uh, that's when you when TV was on the little stand. I think we were going to watch a movie or something. Yes. But then um, like an announcement came over to the speaker was like, there's been an emergency. Like they explained it where it just sounded like an accident. Like where a plane just crashed into the twins, uh, to the towers and we were like, everybody's in the class. Like, how do you do that? Like, they're right there. Like in our, in our innocence, we're like, those buildings are so tall. How can you not miss them and all that? And then of course, as the day went on, I mean, you see kids getting pulled out of school, like kids, it started to dawn on people like, Oh my gosh, my parent works in New York City, like this, that, and the third. And, Kids are starting to get pulled out of school and everything. So um, after the announcement, I really don't. I just remember just seeing it on the news all day. Like my dad worked for the state of New Jersey. So, you know, they went over there to like help out with certain things. Um, but yeah, it was just a whirlwind. That's it's always interesting hearing perspectives from people who are like from New York or at least from the East Coast because me being in the Midwest, I was in fifth grade and we had TVs in the classroom too. And I just remember for whatever reason, the TV got turned on. We were watching the news and I don't remember the announcement that was made or anything. I just Did you see the second building hit while you were watching? I don't remember. It's just been too long ago that I just don't remember smaller details i just remember i was in fifth grade i know exactly who my teacher was i can almost visualize where i was sitting in the classroom that type of thing um but i just remember the tv being on and them trying to explain to us what happened and me just being super confused and all of these adults these teachers were super sad and i was just like i don't know what's happening i don't remember staying in school the rest of the day like i don't remember any of that i just remember that moment when we turned on tv and we saw this smoke from this building and i mean could understand at the very least that people were hurt right and that's sad but being so far removed from it and being so young it wasn't super impactful until later when you get more details and then I sit down with my parents and they explain in more detail what happened. Yeah. I just remember feeling bad for teachers. Like we were a bunch of New York City kids randomly in Vermont on a farm for the week and then I knew our teachers were kind of freaking out. I remember like two of them crying while we were watching the news and we saw the second plane hit. Um, and we were just kind of sitting there taking it in. I don't remember anyone saying anything. I just remember like teachers being on their phones, like cell phones, calling, probably trying to figure out if their families were okay. Um, and then it was like this somber dinner 
Um, but again, I don't think we've truly felt the gravity of it. Like I remember that night, it was like, let's put the cow tip in, right? Like we weren't dead as kids. And then coming back to Manhattan was scary for me because I remember feeling like not even recognizing planes flying over my building. And now all of a sudden I hear the plane and I'm nervous. Um, or now all of a sudden my mom's wearing gloves to check the mail because we had anthrax right after that in your mailbox. Um, so it's quite scary as a New Yorker, you tune out noise. And now I was just so hyper aware of the noise and anxious laying down at night. Um, so yeah, it was a little scary for sure. And she talks about in the book having to, you know, report on this, record this, um, and needing to check on herself and mental health. Have you all experienced any time like that and trepidation at work and having to push through still in a moment? The 2016 election. Not gonna oh, yeah. lie. That one was rough because of where I worked, and there were so many supporters that they literally gathered in the cafeteria to celebrate Hillary giving her confession speech. And it was just like, yo, this is crazy. This is the environment I work in every day. <clears throat> and these people are just kind of like, I don't know. And that was probably the biggest moment where I was just like, dang, this is really crazy and I still got to be at work. And then all of the, of course, events before and after. Yeah. Police brutality and murder and all of that. It's, it's also difficult. But I think in those moments I was able to separate myself where maybe I could work from home and maybe from an office or at least yeah. have a bigger support system at work of like black people that I could rally around then as well. So that also helped. But I just remember at that particular job around the election that year, it was like two of us in the office. And so it was just rough. Yeah, I definitely, as an educator, experienced a lot of loss. So we've had a lot of students murdered or unintentionally injured. Um, I've experienced quite a bit of that. One of the reasons why I chose to leave the classroom, my first two years of teaching, I mean, I literally watched the news when the house burned down and two of my students were in there. Um, I've had kids murdered. Huh? You were teaching babies too, right? I was. They were first graders and his brother was a kindergartner. That's right. Um, I've broken down in the airport by myself, realizing those are my kids randomly. Um, we had kids get shoot shot after school in the park right there near the community. My worst experience was we were in a school. The kids were supposed to do state testing, and a ton of our kids got shot and injured in a park that was, like, attached to, like, the apartments in broad daylight. And two of our students had passed away and they were coming in the next morning. And you know how the rumor mill starts, right? And so as the kids are coming in to get breakfast, everybody's like, you heard so-and-so is dead. You heard so-and-so's in the hospital. And kids are just breaking down crying. They weren't even my kids that I was teaching, but they were our students. And my room was near the cafeteria and you just heard wailing. And it was just like, at one point, I remember getting a message in the school message system, like, we got to get them to class. We got to get testing started. And it was just like, fuck your test. Kids are literally wailing because their friends are dead. And, like, it's just spreading like wildfire. But that was a hard day for, like, oh, are you serious? Um, so eventually, we ended up getting permission from the 
forgot who it was, like from the district, to delay their test. Um, but at first, it was literally like, can we get some order in here? Because it's like testing day. And it was just like, do you hear these babies wailing? There's no sensitivity. That's crazy. None. And then even when my student died, they sent someone in. So I was told not to have the conversation with uh, my kids because they were sending a professional. And she literally came in and was just like, you're not going to see so-and-so anymore. If you think about them, you can just wave to heaven and say hello. Any questions? Bye. And it was just like, ma'am, are you leaving? Like, I'm crying. Some of them are crying. Like, that was the professional. So that was just, it was a mess. And I needed assistance because I was also a mess. And it was just like, they have questions. And she just bounced. They don't know her. So they weren't comfortable asking her questions. And they're a little confused. Like, so, yeah. It's hard out here for educators. Each year, we've lost somebody or at least had injuries. That's crazy. That's crazy. At least in the schools I work in. <laughs> I'm sure it happens way more often than yeah. I would know personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that too. Like, even just speaking to what Renee talked about, like, um, like working in this school, like you get attached to these kids and if something happens to them or their family, you're, you just want to be there for them. But to some extent, you got to have the the boundaries, too. But I mean, it's, it's like crazy. Like the last year I worked in this school, we had uh, one kid got shot, died. The other one. Um, he was in like critical condition, right? Mm-hmm. Another the other kid. one. The other kid, uh, yeah. he survived. He and then there was two that died. They were all together somewhere, and two died, and the other one got shot. But he made it through. I mean, then there's like stories of like because the way our group was, um, we worked with different athletic trainers within the county, but in different townships. So I mean, you had stories of kids committing suicide, um, and then trying to deal with that because a lot of times they could be athletes because you know they want to be high performance and then if they're failing in one way or one area they feel like there's no way out and then they they feel like taking their own life own life is the way to go and then you got to worry about I work directly with student athletes so you got to worry about them not only on the field but how they function in the classroom and then when they're not in your side do they have that home support and if like, so, I mean, there's those different dynamics and then it's, it's just, it can be a lot. And then like with other things that go on, I know I worked at one job when the whole um, Trayvon Martin shooting happened. Like he basically was blaming Trayvon for getting shot. I said, but homeboy shouldn't have been doing what he was doing. He was basically home security. Like, and like we literally was getting into an argument. <laughs> I was like, I was like, look, I'm not about to do this with you because we're not going to come to agreement. Right. I was like, you telling me you walking in your neighborhood and somebody's trailing you, they have the right just to shoot you and kill you off of the the uh, the color of your skin and what you got on the hoodie. This is your neighborhood. You're walking home. He's like, no, nah, but he should have listened to him. This was a mall cop. How you know he wasn't fearing for his life? A stranger, right? A stranger. Like, yeah. So like, but yeah, I've had 
incidences like that, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't imagine having that type of tension at work. It's already hard enough dealing with deaths and trying to keep it together in front of children and y'all know I'm a crier. That's the worst. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I feel like I lose my job. Like first of all, I quit and you about to get cussed out. Facts. <laughs> Facts. That I've not had those conversations at work, luckily. And I, I don't know, maybe the longer I'm in education, I'll experience those things with students, but I just doubt in my setting that I will have that as much. Just because I don't see the students as often. It's not like an all day, every day type of thing. So the relationships aren't as strong. There are some students that are like, you know, whatever, but I don't know. That, that would hurt my core. Yeah. Well, not to keep it somber, but <laughs> she also talked about her issues with fertility in the book. So she has a brain tumor that causes her body to think it's pregnant and has all the pregnant reactions like producing breast milk, etc. No period, all of that. And then she struggles to get pregnant naturally. So she does in vitro. She has like four or five miscarriages before she finally decides to use a surrogate also fun fact you can't adopt if you're in the middle of trying to have a baby she taught us that fun fact in the book which i thought was crazy um you wouldn't get approved for the adoption um so she couldn't take that route and then she talks about her experience with going with a surrogate um have you all experienced or known someone who's experienced this firsthand i don't know them do you have this fear I don't know uh, the couple like directly, directly. We just are like Facebook friends and used to play flag football together. But their success story, like after they shared a picture of all the needles that the wife had to use, she said, and it was like a hundred needles that she used, but they finally got pregnant and she's due in, um, I think like October, later this year. But I mean, it's a success story. You could just see their their post and the joy like around it so like I said I don't know their whole story but I know the positive outcome of it and when I was hearing her share I was like man I can only imagine like getting poked in pride having bruises and um, having to find different areas to test yourself and to put new needles in you so I can and then the hormone fluctuation itself and then then thinking you are and then having a miscarriage. And did she have one like in public at a party or something like that? Yeah, in a Channing Tatum meeting she had it. Yeah. In their meeting. Yeah, and it's like it's like what so do you she do? describes like every time she sees them she thinks of miscarriage because they were in the middle of the meeting when she started to feel the blood yeah. leak out of her. So But yeah, that's a fear though as I get older. You know, I'm pushing but um, yeah. no God, he, he'll make a way. Yeah, it's a fear, too, because I know, like, statistically, so many women experience a miscarriage, at least. Uh, and I'm afraid of that, like, because I feel like that experience might take me out. I'm the type to be afraid to try again, because I don't want to see that again and deal with that again. So I don't know. Definitely a huge fear of mine. Yeah, I know a few family members of mine who have 
had some battles with fertility. I don't know specifics because I just can't ask. Um, maybe, maybe one day I'll, I'll have the courage to ask their stories, but I do know that it is a, it is a thing in my family that made me wonder if I would be able to have children as well. And so that's a fear, um, for sure. So. I just, heart goes out to the women who struggle with it and prayers for those who maybe couldn't find the success in their stories, but yeah. Yeah, I appreciate her sharing that story too. I think it'll help you be sensitive even to comments that you make. Like she talks about like when they tell their friends they're having a surrogate and someone says like, oh, that's cheating. Or someone else says like, why don't you just adopt? Um, and you just never know right. what people are going through, um, yeah. even if it's not attention. Didn't she make mention of the surrogate? Like she had to adopt her baby from her surrogate. Yeah, so that she had to. Blew my mind. That was so sad. Like they had to sign adoption papers for the baby because that, that woman could have technically kept it. And it's like it's their oh, DNA. Her and her husband's mm-hmm. DNA. It's yeah, so the lady who carried the baby has the choice to keep it, technically. They just felt great through the agent that they used that she wouldn't keep it. But then she then had to adopt that baby from her yes. and sign, like, adoption paperwork for it. For a baby that literally has their DNA, they had to. And she paid for it. And it was just, like, my heart drops. Like, that is sad. Yeah. It was, it was nuts. Bananas. I'm not gonna lie. I listened to it on a plane. It was crying on a plane. I'm a crier. <laughs> but like her explaining, like being on a movie set and having to pray, play a pregnant person, or like Jilly from Philly. Shout out to you, being her support system when she was doing First Wives Club. Yeah. Um, I was on the plane. Like, oh my god, this is sad. Yes. And then, especially if you're listening oh, yeah. to or her husband in a uh, like, because she knows she's very animated. But then when she got to these subjects, you can just still hear her voice is like wow it's like okay i need you to get back to that uh new york jersey hyper yeah (laughs) (laughs) right it took her a while to get back to that voice that voice too i was like oh my god it wasn't until like the godparent scene where she talked about having two god moms that's Mm -hmm. a married lesbian couple yeah 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 and the fact that that her uncle is the archbishop (laughs) archbishop <laughs> Uncle Archbishop. Because um, her mom asked her to keep that a secret, and she was just like, heck no, that's her wife. Yeah. And introduced her as her wife. Um, it was just, yeah. Listen. Definitely happy ending. We are describing it like it's so sad. She ended up having a happy ending. She got two for one. Twins. Yes. One girl, one boy. It was perfect. So she and never has to deal with it again if she doesn't want to. Um, they're adorable. I had to Google because I wanted to see what they looked like. <laughs> They're cute, cute. Ah, uh, we need to post them. Shout out to them. What's their name? Hazel and Otis. Oh, I don't remember the name. The I know it's Hazel because it's Hazel after her great grandma, and then I think his name was Otis. Either way, yes, they're, twins. Right. they're okay. healthy. Hazel and Otis, yeah. their own little personality. Shout out to them. Um. So now, what would you guys rate this book from one to five? What's your rating? 
I enjoyed it. I, well, I no. give it a four point nine. Is there a reason you went in slow motion? Five three. Because <laughs> I'm putting decimals. Four point nine five three. Yes. That's so specific. Got it. Because I don't. I don't want to give anything a, a perfect five. Because you know. But I she's know. the closest that is. Yes. Okay, cool. Just Jersey being from Jersey alone gives her a three. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. I'm a Roger from Jersey. She's the only child. Right. Exactly. You Here's a lot for us to relate right to. There. Oh, but she lighter than me, honey. Oh, yeah, she is lighter than me. Alana, what you rate this book? I think so. The one thing that threw me off, and I got used to it at one point, it wasn't like chronological. And I don't know, my logical brain expects like a memoir to start from the beginning, right? And it didn't, which was good, but it just threw me off at first. But overall, I think the book was phenomenal. She touched on a lot of things. Listening to it, I listened to it on Audible again. It's probably going to be the move for a lot of these books. But, um, and she did a very great job. She, she reads it herself. And so overall, I just think it was good. The content was there. She kept it light. Even when she got through those tough topics, I think she went into enough detail. You can really understand her. Like it was just, it was just a really overall great book. And so I give it a 4.8 just because I can't give anything a perfect vibe, but it was, it was close. It was real close. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I shouldn't have went last. I'm going to give it a low four. I'm just going to give it a 4.0. Okay. Um, I agree with the writing. I hate to compare her. So like Gabrielle Union's book, I like the content and how it was written. Mm-hmm. This book, I like the content, did not like how it was written. Yeah. Um, And I don't know that I needed it in chronological order. I just needed, I don't know. It just, yeah. I feel you. I think I texted you a few times, like, I'm listening to it, but it's hard to get through. Because it almost just felt like we were in a rambling conversation with her. Yes. And I don't think she did a good job tying it in and putting a bow on it until the end, which is fine if the book is messy, but it was just all over. She told the story like I read books, so maybe that's why I thought it was good. Probably so. Facts. I, I think it was, I think the reason why it worked for me is because I'm a pick up, put down person. Yeah. And so. And see, I'm usually not, and I had to with this book. I could not, it would give me a headache listening to this book straight. That makes sense. Cause I'm a pick up, put down, so I could stop and pick it back up. And it didn't feel like I was like, oh wait, what happened before this? So I had to stop because it would get too annoying to listen to it for hours straight. And then when I picked back up, I would still be like, wait, what? What part of her life around? Like, what happened? I had to rewind. Yeah. It took me a while to realize that she was jumping around. And once I got through that, I was fine. I was like, ooh, got a little funny in here. We good? Yeah. I need her next book to have a stronger writer for her. That's right. Or editor. But it was definitely a it's a strong four. It's just not a high four for me personally. You got you. Got you. I definitely listen to Audible as well. We can uh, get us a, um, right, cool. an Audible sponsorship because we be bumping y'all up for hey. Audible.
right, so our next book, we're actually going to have something interesting happen in our next episode. We're having an author herself join us. So we will be joined by Cassandra Lane, and we're going to read her book, We Are Bridges. It's a memoir. So Cassandra's going to join us for our July episode. So go ahead, buy that book, um, and check us out and leave us some feedback, um, some suggestions, like the episode, and share with your friends. Really quick, really quick. If y'all haven't noticed, all of our books so far this year, we're halfway through the year, all of our books have been by women. We are going to continue on this train the whole year. We're going to read books by women. Fellas, if you are listeners and you're waiting for us to read a book by a male author, next year is your year. All year next year, we're going to read books by male authors and so i'm super excited about that we already are starting our book list but if you have suggestions check us out on instagram at novel black girl give us some suggestions as well and if you're writing a book reach out that's how we met cassandra she reached out once her book was released so feel free to reach out we're more than happy to review your book yep find us on instagram or uh, novelblackgirl.com check out the website you can reach us Twitter drive, but we all knew. <laughs> yeah, just forget the Twitter. Don't <laughs> use this Twitter. Everybody. Someone said, was it Dave Chappelle who said Twitter is the bathroom wall? Yeah. Like how people write on the bathroom wall. <laughs> I felt that. I don't even have a personal Twitter. Send us a message in our email. Send us a message.